Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Today we bring you a special two-part series entitled, 25 Years Later, The Church Address. In this series, we celebrate the 25-year pastoral anniversary of our lead pastor, Rex Johnson, here at Christian Life Austin. And now, lead pastor Rex Johnson. Tonight and Sunday will be twin city thoughts of ministry. Hopefully, hopefully somewhere in this passage of time, a river will run between these thoughts. It'll be joined together by the Spirit. 25 years has been short, yet so blessed. It's amazing how short a long time is sometimes. So I'm preaching tonight, simply 25 years later, the church address. But 25 years has been short. Two things I truly know, though. I am in love with Christian Life Church and the people of God here. I'm in love with you. And number two, I have been and continue to be in the perfect will of God here. I believe that. Tonight I will speak about something that has never changed in my mind here at Christian Life Church. Methods may change. We may knock out some walls and put a new kind of floor in. But the message remains the same. And the message is the good news of Jesus Christ. The message is the death. Everybody say the death. The burial. And the resurrection. Aren't you glad Jesus died for you? Aren't you glad he was buried for you? Aren't you glad that he arose again? And the Bible calls it the good news. Everybody say the good news. It's not bad news. It's the greatest news the world. Some of them have never heard. We need to tell them. In the genealogy of God's creation, Abraham begat Isaac. The father of faith begat a son named Isaac. Isaac in the process begat a boy named Jacob. He did have a son named Esau, but Jacob was in the lineage. And Jacob brought 12 sons into the world, and they became the 12 tribes of Israel. The birth of Jacob's first four sons was on this manner. Genesis chapter 29, verse 30 through 35. I will read, and you can look on the screen. And he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven other years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, Surely the Lord had looked upon my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. Sounds like a pity party to me. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, she's still wallowing in it. He hath given me another son, and she called his name Simeon. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me. Sound like she's coming out of her dungeon now. Because I have borne him three sons, therefore was his name called, everybody say Levi. And she conceived again and bare a son, and she said, Now will I praise the Lord. She's out of that dungeon. She's out of that problem. Therefore, she called his name Judah, and she left barren. Isn't it amazing when you finally get it right, 
how God just picks up from where you are and goes on and takes Judah and makes something fabulous out of him. I find it amazingly awesome, folks, that the first four sons of Jacob and Leah brought confessions from Leah that set a pattern for Israel forever. And the church world still feels the effects of those four confessions that she had. The firstborn Reuben was unstable, unstable as water. The second son, Simeon, was cruel. But the third and fourth sons were paramount in Israel's history. The third became the tribe of the priesthood, the ministry. The name of the tribe was Levi. And the fourth son became the tribe of praise. Would you say praise? Praise. Judah. And when Israelites were instructed by God through Moses to build the first church in the wilderness, there was only one entrance. One, everybody say one. One entrance to the tabernacle. They didn't have a back door, a side door. They had one door. And the door opening was on the east side. Every time they put that tabernacle down, they put the door on the east side toward the sunrise. And Judah and Levi, which was represented by Moses and Aaron, just happened to camp on the east side every time they set the camp down by God's design. So a priest going into and out of the tabernacle went in the only door, the one on the east side, woo, through the camps of Levi, which was ruled by Moses and Aaron and Judah. Can I call them? Very simply, they had to go through the camps of preaching and praising. Ever since the beginning of time, God has used the preach word to stir people. And ever since he laid the foundation of the children of Israel, praising has been a remarkable thing that the Israelites have done. This was the east side. God desired Israel to look forward to a new day. He wanted them to see sunrises. He wanted them to see opportunities. He wanted them to see new horizons, new dreams, new visions. Nothing creates new days in people's lives like somebody that preaches the gospel and like being in the presence of praising the Lord Jesus Christ. Also on the east side was two other tribes, one named Issachar and the other named Zebulun. Zebulun means habitation. Issachar represents understanding. People that live on praise and people that live on the word of God Always dwell in a habitation of understanding. For the last 25 years, it's been my desire to keep this church not only a safe habitation, but also a place of understanding. And so the Lord has not allowed me to preach things that are far beyond your reach of comprehension. But he has asked me to take the things that many times are complex and simplify them so that a child will understand that Jesus loves them. And a child will understand that there is a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. And a child will understand that water baptism is an awesome thing in the kingdom of God. And a child will understand that in his presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. No matter what comes against each of you personally or the church corporately, God is on top of everything in our lives. Can I get an amen from the congregation right now? Furthermore, when Israel moved the camp and the tabernacle 
from camp to camp. Judah always, everybody say Judah always, was the vanguard. It was the leader of all the tribes. Nobody ever got in front of praise. When God got ready to move his Israelites to another camp, praise always was the leader. And when God gets ready to move this church to another arena of faith, praise will still be the leader. Praise will still be the leader. God wants praise in his house. Amen. Judah was always the vanguard, the leader of all the tribes. Judah shall go first. Praise shall lead. Even in battles, Judges chapter 20 and 18 is an example. Judah always went first. Oh, let me preach a little bit. You're going through a struggle right now? Don't huddle in your tent. Start praising God. Start praising God. There's nothing like praise to bring victory over any enemy that's trying to defeat you in your life. And I know that there's a lot of churches that have gotten away from exuberant praise. But as long as there's breath in my body, as long as there's strength in my spirit, we will magnify the Lord from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. And his name shall be praised. After Judah would leave the camp as the leader, the vanguard, then the Ark of the Covenant, everybody say the Ark of the Covenant. It was a symbol of the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant, that box made of shittim wood overlaid with gold, where a mercy seat was, where two beaten cherubims was on top of it. They would put that Ark on their shoulders and they would follow praise to the next camp. And behind the glory of the Lord, Levi was third in line. Oh, I love this. Priest always followed the Ark of the Covenant. That was what God had in mind. Praise would always be the lead. The glory would come behind praise. And the ministry would follow the glory. I wished I was making this up, but I'm not. This is your Bible. See, if some of you have a praise hiccup in your, in your spirit, you need to get that hiccup out. You need to clap your hands. David said seven times a day, am I going to praise him? He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Can I get everybody in this house to just do at least a couple of hand claps with me right now? Just a couple. There's nothing like praise. There's nothing like praise. Here, here's the formula. If there is no praise, there can be no glory to follow. And with no glory, ministry becomes very ineffective. I learned as a young man, it has been a driving force in my ministry for 45 years, that when praise leads, glory follows. And the ministry following the glory then can produce in another place in the Bible, the word says, Judah, I put praise in parentheses, shall plow. That's Hosea chapter 10 and verse 11. Praise breaks up the fallow ground. If your soul's getting hard and thirsty, if you're getting bitter on the inside, there's nothing like praise in God. 
There's nothing like getting with the musicians and the singers and singing your soul to another place in another dimension because Judah shall plow. And when the fallow ground is broken open, then the seed can be planted and it can grow because the word always follows praise. 25 years ago when this church asked me to be pastor, I declared that this would be a church of praise and preaching. Praise and the word. Praise would lead. Music and praise would plow. Praise would break up the fallow ground. Ministry would plant seeds of the word. That will never change as long as I have breath to breathe and a message to declare. This church will never become just a seeker-sensitive church. It will be a place where God is elevated and praise is declared and somebody will be saying amen and hallelujah and bless the Lord and thank you, Jesus. That's the kind of church. No, we're not going to lose our mind. We're not going to go crazy, but we will bless the Lord in this house. We will bless the Lord in this house. We will bless the Lord in this house. Say amen to that. Say amen to that. The 150th chapter of Psalms closes out the book that David penned much of. Psalms 150 says, praise the Lord. It's on the screen. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with strings and pipes. Praise him with the clash of the cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. That means some loud ones. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So I've got some who, what, where, why, and how questions. First of all, where is God to be praised? In the sanctuary. Praise him in the sanctuary. Hey, God can be praised anywhere. But he said sanctuary praise is not optional. It's mandatory. He didn't say praise him in your car. He didn't say praise him in your chariot. He didn't say praise him in your house. He said praise him in the sanctuary. When you walk in this place, this is not anything that's optional. When you walk in, you should come into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with thanksgiving, and his gates with praise. We ought to walk in here with a holy, happy in our hearts and lives, not losing our mind, but a joy of the Lord that is our strength because praise is still comely for the upright. Secondly, why is God to be praised? Everybody say, for his mighty deeds. For his surpassing greatness. God been good to anybody. God been good to anybody this week. God been good to anybody this last year. Third question, how is God to be praised? Third through the fifth verse. The psalmist opens up all the stops and calls for praise to be offered with the sound of musical instruments available. With the lute and the harp and the tambourine and the strings and the organs and the cymbals and the loud clashing cymbals. The psalmist said we should praise God with the dance. Can you imagine that? 
You know what? Let me tell you something. Let me talk about that dance just a minute. Let me talk about that dance just a minute. I, I want to handle that. He didn't say buck dancing. He didn't say it being a whirly bird knocking everybody out. When you dance before the Lord, you may not move but just a little bit of your body, you know. Ha-na-na-na-na-na-na-na, Elmo song. You may not move much. But I think when the presence of God gets to moving, you ought to be moving with it. I think you ought to move a little bit. Hey, some of you folks have been converted from rock and roll music. Some of you folks have been converted from blues music. Some of you folks have been converted from good old country line dancing. It's all right every now and then to do a little step with the Lord where you are. You're not going to hurt anybody. Bless the Lord with your whole body. Bless the Lord with your whole spirit. Bless the Lord with everything that's in you. It's okay. You could be in order and still dance before the Lord. Woo, I made some enemies right there, didn't I? Whoa, I messed up. Fourth question. By whom is God praised? Sixth verse. By everything that breathes. Do this. How's that feel? You ought to praise the Lord because of that. Clap your hands one more time. The vocation of every Christian is to praise the Lord. Psalms 33 and 1 said, Sing joyfully to the Lord. You're right, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Psalms 147 says, Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting it is to praise him. Come on, folks. Let, let me talk to you. Have you ever just been absolutely just drowned down? You know what can turn that around right now? Just start singing. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. I'm telling you, I'm not trying to get you a moment. I'm trying to get you a, to understand something. You can turn night to day with then sings my soul. Praise never has to have something to lead it. Praise is the leader. And when you praise, things start following your praise. People start following your praise. Some people say, how can you rejoice? How can you rejoice and smile when somebody's died in your family? Because praise is unbelievable. When you understand that this world is not our home, we're just passing through. And when you know that a mom 87 years old, a dad 86 years old is on the other side waiting on you right now. There's nothing that'll make you sadder, make you sad. You're happy because you know they have run their race. They have lived their life. They have done the best they could and God's got some prepared for them. Hey, somebody needs to get out of the dark shadows of night. Get on the sunny side of the street with just simply saying, How great thou art! How great thou art! Just sing to him. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. David was not allowed to build the temple. He so desired in his day. God informed him the reason was he had too much bloodshed in his, in his kingdom. He did, however, allow his son Solomon to build the house of God. But although David could not build a physical house, he did the best he could. He built a spiritual temple for every man who would come behind him who might not be able to build something physical in his life. You'll find that in Psalms chapter 24, verse 7 through 10. He said, lift up your heads, O ye gates, 
and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors. Because David realized that this is God's house. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Selah. You know what that word means? Stop and pause and just think about it. Amen. Now here's what I want to say. Here's the essence of the verses. Lifting up one's head is lifting up your thoughts and your thinking and your ideas. Lifting up, up one's doors is lifting up your hands. So David's temple was a spiritual temple was one of head and hands. And no matter where you are or what state you're in, you can lift up your head and lift up your doors. And the King of glory will come in. He's the Lord of hosts. He's the King of glory. Here's my point. When you're in something and you can't get out of that something, lift up your head and lift up your hands and the King of glory, the Lord of hosts, will come in where you are. You don't have to get out to praise Him. You can praise Him in something and God will find that indoor and get you out of where you are. Can I tell you, praise works. Praise works. Come on, get your head up. Get your hands up. Come on, lift up your head. Lift up your hands and magnify Him. I love it, I love it, I love it. The arcs face off with Dagon. First Samuel chapter 5. The Philistines had captured the ark from the people of God and placed the ark in the same room with Dagon, their god at Ashdod. And when the first night was over, they came to check on the ark versus their idol. And Dagon was laying flat on his face. I love to preach that. So they set him back up. They propped him. And the second night they came back and he was laying flat on his face again, but his head was flopped off. It had been severed and his hands were missing. You give the glory a couple of nights in your life and things that have been controlling your mind will be gone. And things that have held you captive, those hands will have to let you go. Because, oh, let me preach. Because there is nothing, there is nothing more loosening than the presence of Almighty God. Everybody say the anointing destroys every yoke. There is nothing can stand in the presence of God that will hold you captive. You know what? There's a lot of people, and I'm going to say this, and, I, and I'm going to get some letters on it. But there's a lot of people that really what they need more than anything is a good old wash in the presence of God one night. They need a good old wash. They need to get in His presence. Because in His presence, folks, there's still fullness of joy. We try to figure this out. We try to reason this out. We try to plan this out. But praise is calmly. Praise is the thing that will break, break every chain. In fact, the Bible speaks of a word called high praise. Everybody say high praise. high praise. You know what high praise does? It binds the nobles. And it binds the kings of this world with fetters. Here's what I want to tell you. When your praise is not getting through, turn it up a notch. I went over to the Philippines several years ago. And there was a little pastor that pastored a gymnasium right downtown. 
and we waited for a basketball intramural game to be over and then we set up the chairs and in 15 minutes we was ready to seat 1,200 people and have church. And I preached that day for 10 minutes and over 100 people came to know the Lord and many of them were filled with the Spirit of God in their life that day. But here's what he said. He said, there's a low fire. He talked like, there's a low fire, there's a medium fire, and there's a high fire. He said, some of you are just simmering. You, you need to move to the medium fire, and when you don't think that's enough, get in that blue flame. Turn it up a notch. We need a blue flame fire. Here's what I want to tell you. You need some high praise. You need some high praise. If you want to bind some things in your life, get in that high praise. Get in that praise that binds the nobles with irons and the kings with fetters. Come on, get in that high praise. Allow yourself to get lost in the presence of God. Allow yourself to get lost in the presence of God. You don't have to do it here, but you can do it in your house. You can say, enemy, you're not taking this house down. I'm going to bless the Lord here right now. Get some high praise going in your life. Woo! Hallelujah. That's a beautiful passage. I'm not far from quitting. I'm really not. I'm going to be short and good here tonight. Let me tell you the story. Samson was having problems with women. That's a bad place for a deliverer to be with women having problems. He's got him this wife. Her daddy's name is Timnite. And he comes to bring her a gift. And when he comes to bring her a gift, her daddy has given her to another person. I don't know how that worked. I wish I knew how that worked. I don't know how that worked. I'm glad it don't work now that way. Boy, that'd be a, that'd be a rough pastoring job, wouldn't it? Well, while you was going away to war, your daddy gave your wife away to another woman, another man. Hallelujah. Go work that out, brother. Go work that out. <laughs> and so Samson knew that it was the Philistines who were behind it. So he went out and found 300 foxes. And he got all their little tails together and tied their tails with some kind of cord and set their tails on fire. And they burned. He burned all the flax. He burned all the fields of the Philistines. Great story. Great story. I can see those foxes going, man, just burning down those fields. And they, in turn, came and killed his wife and his father-in-law. They paid back. So the men of Judah, who were so afraid of the Philistines, let me tell you what a praise killer is. It's fear. It's fear. Praise will kill you fear. I mean, fear will kill your praise. It really will. It really will. And the men of Judah came and found Samson at the rock of Edom, which meant hawk ground. And they, and they bound him with two cords. Watch this now. The men of Judah. Everybody say praise. praise. Bound, bound the deliverer. The only people who could ever put cords on him that he wouldn't break was his own people, the people of Judah. It's powerful. And they delivered him to the Philistines. He said, okay, I'll let you bind me, but please don't kill me. And they didn't. They put him in the hands of the Philistines. And they did this out of fear because fear is a praise antagonist. And as soon as Judah 
turns a bound Samson over to the Philistines and he gets out of the hands of Judah and he gets into the world that doesn't trust the God of Israel. He immediately breaks the cords because the spirit comes on him. And he picks up a jawbone. This is the story. And he slays a thousand of the enemy men. He gets thirsty and God says, pick up what you threw down. He picked up and got him a drink of that. Here's the point. The only people who could bind the most powerful deliverance in the Old Testament was the people of praise. Our praise must never be so non-competitive with this world that we bind the deliverer in our services. But always allow the deliverer, Jesus Christ, to do his work among us. I'm here to declare, I don't want to put anything around Jesus Christ that would hold him back from healing people in this house, from saving people in this house, from delivering people in this house. And they did, and they held him captive, and he couldn't break the bonds of his own brothers. Now let me close. Many of us think that Simon Peter was the only man that got a name change. Among the disciples, that's not true. I'm going to close with this, and I want you to go home and study this. This is good stuff. The Lord showed me this many years ago, and I, I want to preach it tonight in closing. Peter's name was Simon. And the Lord said, that's a reed, but I'm going to turn you into a rock. I'm going to call you Peter. And upon this rock, the rock of the revelation, I'm going to build my church. Yes. Not on Peter on the rock of the revelation that he knew who Jesus was. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. How many of you really believe that this church is going to prevail? Amen. 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 Do you believe that? You believe this church is going to prevail? You believe it is? You believe it's undefeatable? You believe it can't go under? You believe it's going over? We need to start acting like that every time we walk in these doors. But there was, a, there was another man whose name was Libius who had a surname Thaddeus. Sometimes in the disciples' names he's called Thaddeus. Sometimes he's called Libius. I got to studying him one day. He's a, he's a very minor disciple. He really was. He didn't, he didn't do a lot until one day in John 14. You see, there was, a, there was a, a last supper with the disciples, and there was a man named Judas Iscariot. Now, Judas in the Greek means the same as Judah in the Hebrew. It means praise. And perhaps the Lord chose Judas because he wanted somebody that would magnify him. Judas was the only church synagogue worshiper in the whole bunch. If you do history study, those other old boys were just fishermen and one was a hippie under a fig tree. They really were. They just a bunch of, just a bunch of guys and Jesus turned them into a, a saving bunch of men. But Judas walks out on Jesus in John 13. He walks out at that last supper and when he walks out, the Bible said it was night and he goes and betrays him. And in John 14, 
There's three men that asked Jesus a question. Andrew asked a question. Philip asked a question. And the third man to ask a question, read this when you get home, is a man named Judas, comma, not Iscariot. Because it would look like that Judas had come back in, but he wasn't Iscariot. Here's the thing that I think. This Judas became the man Jude who wrote the doorway to Revelation. This is Jude. But he once was named Libius Thaddeus. But the Lord changed his name. You know why? I'm going to tell you why. Because the Lord is not going to go one chapter in his life without somebody that's got a praise for him. Not one. Not one. When we get to heaven, when we get to heaven, whether you know it or not, Heaven's going to be made up 95% of praise. Somebody said, boy, I get tired of that. Well, you better, you better get some practice down here. Because heaven's going to be one more holy praise. You hear me? The Bible said, now watch this. The Bible said there was a rainbow round about the throne like unto an emerald. You know what the emerald is the stone of? The tribe of Judah. You know why you never see a full rainbow here? Because you never get high enough. You see a half of a rainbow. You see three quarters of a rainbow. But sometime if you're in a high airplane, you might see a whole one because you're high enough. But on this earth, you'll never see a whole rainbow. But when we get to the other side and our troubles are all behind us, there's going to be a rainbow all the way around the throne. And there's going to be praise all the day long. We're going to praise him. Behold the lamb that was slain. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb of God. Hallelujah. 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 now. Somebody practice your praise right now. Somebody practice your praise right now. Oh, hallelujah. 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 There's going to be four and twenty elders round about the throne. They're going to all pull off their crowns and throw them at his feet. Saying he alone is worthy. And have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed this? That those people are going to be round about the throne. They're not going to be in a square. They're not going to be in a rectangle. Which means there's nobody closer than anybody else to the throne. We're going to be encompassed around about the throne. And we're all going to be saying holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come, the everlasting, the King of kings, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, which was and is and is to come. There's nobody like you, Lord. There's nobody like you, Lord. Why don't we clap our hands real big tonight and thank God for after 25 years.
after 25 years, the church's address is still praise. And the Lord's address is still praise. He inhabits, he lives on the praises of his people. I trust you didn't think I was trying to be emotional tonight. I just, I, I, I just, I love to preach about the praise of the Lord. I was raised in an old hard-line Pentecostal church. Buddy, I'm going to tell you something. If you breathe too hard, you're just going to hell. That's too much air, son. I'm not making fun. It's just what it was. It's what it was. And there's some things that I don't ever want to bring with me from that past. I don't want to bring that hard, judgmental type ministry. And you don't have that kind, and you know that. And I don't want to bring that old calcified mindset that it's our way or the highway. But I never want to lose. Never. I never want to lose that old-fashioned praise to God. I'm finished. Randy, help me. I'm finished. We used to have a we used to have a little old lady, and I've told this story before, but some of you new people hadn't heard it. Her name was Mom Austin. She had a little shawl that she put around her shoulders, and when she'd get to feeling the Holy Spirit, she'd move them arms out like this. And that shawl would seem like it fluttered. <laughs> and we we're just young teenage kids, you know. And we love Grandma Austin. She was awesome. She was an awesome lady. And we all wanted to get under the, the wings of her arms reaching out. If we could just get right there. She was kind of chunky, you know. We could just get right there. Under those 85-year-old wings, we knew we'd be blessed. Yes, yes, Lord. And one night, she decided, this is when you know you're cool. She decided she's going to walk out in front of the church a little bit and wave that shawl just a little bit. Now, I'm not asking anybody to practice this. This is just something I remember. And every young person in that church got up and walked behind her. Because whatever she had, we wanted to order. Because we knew that whatever Mom Austin had was going to take you to glory. Wow. Hey, Jesus, is Mom Austin cool or what? Is she cool or what? Whatever she's doing right now, if she's got that shawl, those arms are out and that little fingers are flipping. And she's under the power of the Spirit wherever she is. I don't know what the hereafter is, but I do know that we're going to be in His presence. And that's what I want. I don't know how much longer I'll be pastor of this church. I don't know. As long as I have health, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here standing. But I can't tell the time nor the hour. But I do know one thing. That when I preach my final sermon someday in this church, you hear me. And I'm very emotional tonight because I've been here 25 years and I'm broken up. But you remember this. This preacher's going to go out praising God. Amen. We're going to go out praising God. 
I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise him. This is what I do. This is who I am. And y'all can change. Y'all can change after I'm gone. You can change after you bury me. You come back and change the whole system. But while I'm alive, we're going to bless the Lord at all times. His praise is going to continually be in our mouth. Come on, clap your hands real good. And bless the Lord with all your heart right now. Playpen philosopher Marvin says, Happiness is a diaper fresh from the dryer on a cold morning. Author Robert Fulgham says, Happiness is a big box of crayons, the kind with sharpeners built in. Ziggy says, I wish I knew the secret of happiness. I would tell everybody I know. The Westminster Church says, To be happy is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. But the author of Psalms 100 says, Happiness is a chance to be in the house of the Lord. Hey. I love every one of you. Sunday's going to be so different than what I preached tonight. But when I came 25 years ago in February and tried out for this church, I preached a sermon called House Rules of the King. My mama used to have house rules. And the king of king has house rules. And I didn't get to preach it anymore because everybody, everybody remembered every point. So I, I go away every now and then and I'll still preach it. One day when I outlive everybody that I pastored, and I got a whole bunch of young people and I'm 95, I'll preach it again. But I also preach a sermon that weekend simply saying, my God shall supply your need. Paul said his God was so big he could even fix your need. He said, my God's big enough to fix yours and mine. So many people are, are conscious of, of needs while Paul was conscious of a God. And then I preached one more sermon. And I preached about praise on a Sunday night. And now on this Wednesday night preceding the time they're going to shut me down and put me out to pasture for a few days. And we're going to have some guest ministers. I still believe. I still believe in praise. I still believe that praise is the key that unlocks the doors of blessings for the church. Worship has to be identified because you know who you're worshiping, but praise can be given by anybody. Whether you're saved or whether you're lost here tonight, you can still praise the Lord because he's good to all of us. He's good to all of us. Stand to your feet all over the building. Have you enjoyed the word tonight? Have you enjoyed the word? Amen. Amen. That concludes today's podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.